Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm an abstinent compulsive overeater and food addict. Hi, everybody. Um, I came into this program on April 18th, 2007. I was 519 pounds when I came in this program. Um, I'll, I'll kind of show a little picture here. It's just easier just for me to just go ahead and put that up there. Right? So <clears throat> here is a program sort of almost close to Here's a picture of almost close to the day I came in the program. I know these are a little hard to hear. Sorry about the blurriness there. Um, and uh, that, is, that is my abstinence day. Um, April 18th, 2007. So I just celebrated 15 years of abstinence uh, on Monday. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, I came in this program and got a lot of tools when I first got started. The, re- the reason I am still abstinent today is working this program every day, one day at a time. Um, so, you know, I always say this is, you know, this is my, this is my story, my own personal journey. You know, it might not exactly align to what yours is. Um, take what you need and leave the rest. But those pictures that I showed you, those pictures that I showed you, that weight that I, that I was carrying was a physical manifestation of how much fear I was in. You know, because, because fear ruled me. Fear was my higher power. Right? I didn't know any better, but that's, that's truth. Um, I always kind of start off a little bit. Like, so my childhood, I grew up in a family with with alcoholism. My mom was a compulsive overeater. She actually took me to my first KMA, by the way. Um, I have uh, compulsive eating throughout my life, even before I was born. I have great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. And, and you know, just um, it, it's a family disease. And, you know, we were we were close. We were a close family physically, but we were not very close emotionally. You know, the disease of compulsive eating, um, the opposite of the disease of compulsive overeating is connection. And I really didn't have a lot of good modeling on that. And, and then even when I did have some good modeling on that, I didn't really get it, you know? So, um, I basically, my father was absent a lot. He was in the middle of his disease and work, and he was doing the best he could. My mom was a, my mother was a compulsive overeater, as I said. And, you know, um, one of the things that I realized in, in the middle of all of that was like, you know, and, and this is from the big book uh, um, on page 544 from the story Freedom from Bondage. I am the result of the way I reacted to what happened to me as a child. And the really important piece of that is the way I re- reacted. You know, um, they would do everybody in my life. The people, you know, I, I went to school, I was picked on. I was, you know, my, my family was where they were. They were all doing the best they could, right? Lost, whatever, whatever the deal was, you know. And, and you know, I got to tell you, my dad, you know, if I look back at what he was given when he was little, I mean, he was given up by his dad. My mom, his mom passed away in a, in a mental institution and, 
and he was given up by his dad to his grandmother, and he had to pay he had to pay rent going to high school, and he had to scramble to get jobs and work and things like that. He had nothing really. I mean, he didn't really have that much to give me. But when he was there, it was amazing what he was able to give. But when he wasn't, he wasn't, and that was just what was. He was doing the best he could. It is up to me to stop the cycle. I left that house when I started college in, in 1985. And then I carried all that with me. Right? And I didn't know any better. Right? But, but that was what was. And, you know, so, so in, in high school, you know, I, 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 at 200 pounds, I went, I went to my first cook pay and weigh at 200 pounds. Right when I was 200 pounds, my mom took me there. You know, I was picked on in school. Um, I, I, I stole money from my mom's dresser, the church money to buy food, you know, to eat. I ate in secrecy. I, I went out in the middle of life and life wasn't the way I was thinking it was going to be. It was hard. It was difficult. And I just ate to, to medicate myself. And, you know, so I went to my first pay and weigh and I lost like 150 pounds. And, and, you know, so what did I have? I really had a food plan. I didn't, I did not really work on the, the problem. Right. Food was not my problem. Food is my answer. It just happened to be the answer that was killing me. Right. And I did the best I could. But that is true. Denial of the truth leads to destruction. But I didn't know any better. So that's the way I operated. So so not long after that, I was back up to 250 pounds. Then I went to the same thing. I went to a pay, I went to sort of my pay and weigh kind of thing. I went to a diet. I went to a food plan, a plan of eating to solve my problem, and that's it. I got down to 175 pounds before I went into college, right? Um, you know, all of my eating was in secrecy when I was growing up, right? I used to go and, and you know, when I would come home from school, trying to make it through the day, you know, the best I could, to survive the best I could. I was always in survival mode. And I'd come home and I'd, I'd, gra- I'd kind of sneak some food from the from the fridge and take it downstairs and and eat in this room where all the lights were off and there was a fridge and a refrigerator and a freezer down there and I could actually get more stuff and then I'd, I'd hide all my bowls underneath the couch all my bags all my things underneath the couch. My mom would she would come to clean at, at some point and she'd move the couch and there's just all this stuff under there, right? You know. And, and, and that's the way it now. Now I'm in college and now I have a place to myself. Right? So it amplified my eating in a way. I mean, it, you know, because I had that place, that safe place, but my safe place was locking myself away, turning off all the lights, shutting all the doors, turning on the TV and just eating until I couldn't walk. Right? That was my way. So, so, you know, there was a big piece, um, you know, I said this thing about, you know, that my weight that you saw in those pictures was a physical manifestation of how much fear I was in. Fear tends to fall into three places, not getting what I want, losing what I had, being found out. My big driver, my big operator, my my lower power, if you will, was being found out. The other ones, they were there, yes. Losing what I had, not getting what I want, always there. Being found out the biggest one. I did not measure up. I had that concept with me, and, and they were going to know. Right? And so I was in college, and I'm operating on that. That was my operator. That was my lower power. That was my distorted belief system that I brought into that. And so so, um, so I basically survived as best I could through the middle of it. Here I am being taught something 
deathly afraid that I'm not really able to even learn it, you know. Um, but, you know, my go-to on that is not being desperate afraid to, to learn it. So I was operating on fear, not courage. So how much effort did I really put into that? Not a lot, you know. And I was trying to go on my own sheer self-reliance. And that didn't work very well because I got out of college and I was 300 pounds. So, so that led me into work. And here again, I'm coming in with this sort of, you know, deficit. I had a sponsor that highlighted for me that gave me truth in this in a very loving and gentle way. Mark, you go into, you, you enter into every relationship with a deficit. And he's right. I'm coming into a relationship before I'm even, I mean, I'm even in it or any task or any, anything, right? I'm coming into it like this at that time I was coming into it, you know, already at a loss, feeling scrambling and, 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 and clawing and grasping at what I could do to measure up just to get to the line, let alone to go over it, right? So at work, I would come in so super, super early in the morning, like four or five in the morning doing work just to kind of like try and catch up by the time people came in. And I keep telling this, it's really interesting that I basically, I got to the point that when the sun came up, my anxiety ramped up. That's not, I mean, it's the sun, right? This is a beautiful thing. There's hope in that. That's a, that's a hope thing. And I got it into a thing of like, uh oh, the pain is going to come. And so, you know, one of the things that it says in the, in the, um, the big book, same freedom from bondage. Love that story. There's lots of amazing stories in the book, lots of great recovery. But the thing that made the willpower possible, right, for me to just be in the game, quote unquote, I wasn't really in the game was the knowledge that as soon as the day was finished, I could drink myself into oblivion. And for me, it was eating, right? Inside, though, I was scared to death. Maybe I wouldn't be able to hold any job. And when I read that, I was like, that, that is me. That was me at that time. And that word oblivion, that's how I medicated myself. I was, it was oblivion. It was the, it's the best word that I could say that could describe that for me, right? So here I was basically, you know, going to work scrambling and, and then by the time the day was over, by the time they, the day was over, I would eat myself into oblivion. I would come home, gather up all my supplies, hit, drive through, drive through restaurants on the way home, go to grocery stores to get bags and boxes, you know, and, and go home and shut the doors off and turn off all the lights and just eat. Right? The thing is, that concept of, you know, I'm not good enough. If I drew a circle and that was God's world, by the way, it's a really, really big circle. Even if I draw it on a little page. If I drew a circle, circle, I put myself outside that circle. I did. Nobody else didn't. And that's what I operated on. Right? So, you know, this, this kind of led me up to, like, so I came out of college at 300 pounds. So how is that? Like, like you know, I was in charge of my life at this time. I was in charge of my life for 42 years before I came in this program. And I did not love myself. How is that going to turn out? Well, I got, it was in 1998 that I was 525 pounds. I could barely walk. 
I couldn't buckle the seatbelt in my car. I was too big to fit in the seats at movie theaters and booths and restaurants. I isolated myself out of shame and fear of humiliation because those events out in the middle of life that they are going to see, they are going to know. Right? I learned to look, look at myself in the mirror like this and like to just not look at anything else. That's the way I operated. I avoided. I was doing the best I could just to survive. Right? And so, so, you know, I stopped everything. I, you know, I stopped everything at that time. I shut down everything. I shut down work. I moved myself back home from Atlanta, back home to Louisville. You know, I went to, what did I do? I went to a paying way. You know, I'd always been able to lose weight. I'd always been able to lose weight. But look at that. It's like gaining the weight, losing the weight, gaining the weight back and going over that, losing the weight, gaining the weight, going back over that. You know, this was my pattern. That's insanity. Right? That's what I kept coming back to. Stay in the program, keep coming back. That's what I kept coming back to. Right? Because I didn't know any better and I also was just locked in the middle of bondage itself. Right? So, so essentially I, um, I, I basically, uh, stopped everything. I lost 150 pounds in a pay and way. Again, it's a plan of eating. All I ever went to was a plan of eating to, to resolve this and my own distorted belief system to resolve this. My own concept of the world, the lies that I told myself about myself and the world around me. Not God-reliant, self-reliant. Right? And, and not long after that, there I go, back on that game plan again. Right back into it. I, I probably never went more than six months before I was back into the middle of things, right? You know, and so that brought me up to a period when I was 489 pounds. I was in a hospital thinking I was having a heart attack and it was really my blood pressure was crazy out of control and three doctors were telling me you are going to die if you don't, if you continue to do what you're doing. And in that moment, I remember saying to myself, talk about insanity, that I really need to be scared of what they're telling me. Because I wasn't scared of the dying thing. I mean, it was a shock that they were saying it, but really to me what it meant is, oh my God, they saw how bad I am. They saw how wrong I am. They saw how I am a bad person. That's, I was scared of that, and I was scared of what they were asking me to do. I could not envision a life without food. I grasped and hung on to it like it was like dear life, right? I couldn't envision it, but this is the thing. That's the thing. Talk about, you know, the appendix two in the back of the big book, and that's Herbert Spencer book, you know, contempt prior to investigation. Well, there you are. That's me in the middle of it. Because I couldn't envision it, I couldn't imagine it. I, I assumed and was locked in the middle of the fact that, that, that I was broken, that I was ugly. I was locked in the middle of all these concepts that were lies. And so I kept going the same thing over and over again, right? So, so anyway, but that, but here's the beauty, like, like a month after that, you know, I, they, they gave me a food plan. I'm like, I'm going to do this food plan month after that. I'm in a hotel room eating enough food for about 10 to 12 people until I couldn't walk. But what happened in that moment is for the first time in my life, I said, I can't. That was the first time I really believed that God entered into my, to my, to me. But, but it, but he was always, I just, the thing is that I never could hear it until I was, I was given the gift of desperation in that moment, G-O-D. Now, it took me a year to kind of get in the program. 
And, and so here's the thing. So we came to OA. We came to OA. Right? That, the, that was the first time in my life how I came in. I came in through a treatment center, and I was only there two and a half months. But I was in that, and I got lots of great tools. I got nutritionists that got this disease, so I got a food plan that, that dealt with the foods that tend to cause me to eat compulsively. I didn't even know it, and it was a beautiful thing. And But the thing is, is here's the deal. I went to a meeting every day. I went into a meeting in this program for the first time in my life. I didn't even know I was going two hours before that. Greatest way for me to come in. <laughs> right? The greatest way for me to come in, you know, because I didn't have ch- time to even think about it. And so I came in this room, I was 60 people in a hospital, and they said, are there any newcomers? And I said, hi, I'm Mark. And 60 people said, hi, I'm Mark. Or they said, hi, Mark. Right? 60 people said, hi, Mark. That was a hugely healing moment for me. Because it highlighted the fact that I put myself outside of God's world world for a long period of time and now for the first time I'm beginning to put myself in that world a part of apart from what a difference of space makes if you spell that out apart a part of right I I was giving too much space and I put myself out and so so you know I had some, my first meeting, my first meeting back in Louisville, there was a person there that told me that, that said something that just hit me between the eyes and it really highlights this thing of apart from, when we go through recovery, it's like we're putting together a puzzle. And we, when we finish that puzzle, we find that it's a piece to a bigger puzzle. Right? Other people have pieces to our puzzle. God has pieces to my puzzle. When I isolate myself, I deny myself those pieces. My recovery is about seeking every piece I can get because I never know where it's going to happen. Right? And so, you know, this leads me to this piece of, you know, like my problem, as I said, wasn't food. My problem was powerlessness. The solution is a power greater than, than myself. The solution isn't me. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Pamela. The solution is not self-reliance. It's God-reliance. How do I get that power? How do I get that power? Through a program of action. Progress, not perfection. Seeking every one of those pieces of puzzle that I can get in this program. Working this program of action. And so that leads me to a concept that I've been kind of talking about for a while that just kind of hit me in a bit. We say when I came into the program, they said, keep coming back, right? Don't leave the program until the miracle happens, right? But it means so much more than that. Keep coming back, you know, is progress, not perfection. It's not the falling. It's the picking myself every time I, up every time I fall. I'm not, you know, perfection is the thing that kills me. Keep coming back to these tools every day. Keep coming back to the tools. Because, like, I'm out there in the world, and I'm operating my thing, and I'll kind of slowly, God is sort of in this direction here, and I can allow myself to get over here. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back to this program. Keep coming back to the fellowship. Keep coming back to meetings. Keep coming back to these 12 steps. Right? Keep coming back to cleaning house. Right? You know, I'm not going to get that in one action. I'm not going to get this program in one action. 
I'm not going to get it by thinking my way into it either. I did not believe this program when I first started. I didn't. But this is the program that we do, that we don't believe, and we do it anyway, and it ends up being the most important thing we ever did for ourselves. It was for me, right? You know, and so this is a design for living that works in rough going, right? You know, for me, I had a design for dying that that really was amplified in the middle of rough going, right? You know, what I focus on grows, and if I focus on this program and I stay connected and I can make mistakes in the middle and I can not get something, I could do some work and not get sort of the thing, but I just keep coming back to that. Right? Keep coming back to self-care and self-compassion and self-acceptance. Listen, self-acceptance. You know, acceptance of myself is humility. You know, keep coming back to my food plan every day. Right? You know, humility. I can see that word in so many things in this program. It's right-sized. It's acceptance of myself. Acceptance that I am a compulsive overeater. And once I'm a pickle, I can't go back to being a cucumber. I just can't. Acceptance around that. Letting that go. Right? You know, um, humility in the sense of my food plan. My food plan is not about gluttony. It's not about deprivation either. It's right side. It's humility. It's I have, I need to have a certain amount of food in this body that God gave me. I need to get so much sleep in this body that God gave me or else there are going to be consequences. It's just surrendering to that, right? You know, the same thing with this program. I mean, you know, I'm either in the middle of going into, you know, over-expressions of sort of like basic needs, like defects of character or under-expressions of those shortcomings, you know, and and the whole point is bright-sized, right? You know, for me, like going back to the steps, it's, You know, that whole concept of I can't, God can, I think I'll let God, the key in that, well, number one is I, I can't. (laughs) Denial of that truth leads to my destruction, that I can't do this by myself, that I am powerless over food, but I'm not helpless. It is not inevitable that, that, you know, I, I, I talk to my sponsees sometimes. It's amazing how much this word sort of tends to have a lot of healing. And I tell them, it is not inevitable you ever have another relapse. It is not. Right? It is not inevitable that I pick up another character defect. But you know what? We're, we're working, as they say in the, in the AA 12 and 12, towards the perfect ideal. Right? I'm going to strive for the perfect ideal. I'm going to aim for that target. I'm going to keep coming back to it every day. Right? You know, this is not, again, back in, back in freedom from bondage. Happy are ye who know these things and do them. Key thing there, and do them. For the only problems I have now are those I create when I break out of, in a rash of self-will. Right? You know, I work these programs, and then, and then, you know, I work this program. I take all of these 12 steps, and I continue to work those. But here's the thing. When I get to step 10, oh, there we are. I'll end on one thing. The two things. This is not a program of figuring things out. It's a program of letting go. This is not a program of learning. It's a program of unlearning. One day, one action, one moment at a time. Thanks for letting me share.
this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are, well, of, are, of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. That way Vincent will know and, and I will know. And, uh, we will stop, uh, we'll, we'll stop around 9.50. Um, so we'll open the floor for questions. I can see Nancy B. Nancy, do you want to go? My name is Nancy Beecham. I am a compulsive overeater, a very happy compulsive overeater. I have been abstaining for 45 years and maintaining 150-pound weight loss. My, my, what a beautiful depth and the honesty and your courage of going deep and telling us your truth. Thank you. My question relates to some things you did not get to. Um, one was about immersing yourself in Overeaters Anonymous and the joy of service and why we listen to a sponsor's direction and not to ourselves. And, 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 you know, did you have to give up? What did you have to give up to get better? For me, it was a lot of family members for a while and a lot of things that I did. But would you talk also about happy, joyous, and free? And why, my God, if somebody is here new and you've been doing this for 15 years, why are you here? What has changed in your life? Has anger gone away? I mean, I, what do you do to have fun now that you wouldn't, didn't do before? I mean, are people now in your family, are you a better person for doing this? That kind of stuff. A lot of questions. Um, thank you, Nancy. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm an absolute compulsive reader and food addict. Um, that's a good question. Um, so what did I have to give up? Self-will, right? Self-reliance is one of the biggest things I had to give up. I basically needed to show up every day. You know, this concept of what would God have me be. When I first came in the program, I did my best. I was surviving, you know. But, you know, when we get to step 10 and we talk about them being the maintenance step, they are the maintenance step. But but here's the thing. We just need to be careful with that word because that word maintenance means you know, it has a concept of, it doesn't really mean this, but it has a concept of sort of almost just continuing to do the same thing. And in reality, I have to seek this program. I didn't, I didn't save this life to not have a life. The, the biggest thing that I can tell you, like, number one is, is I am expanding my life every day, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly in some of those efforts. I am finding my own voice in this world. My own voice, my own purpose. You know, when my sponsor, I was talking to my sponsor at one point, and he said, he said, Mark, why are you still alive? There are people that have died before they got to the weight that you got to. And he said, God still has work for you to do. You know, and this is the thing. Every day I wake up with that. He has since passed away, passed away in 2014, my sponsor. You know, my my dad passed away in, in 2012, and when I made amends to him, he said, keep doing what you're doing. You know, that was his amends to me. He couldn't have given me a bigger amends. And so what that means is continuing to expand my spiritual life. I don't even know what all of that is for me, but it's what would God have, what, what is God's will for me today? What would God have me be? And I'll, I'll end with one of the biggest things. Like, number one, I'm happy. 
Number one, I have a concept in my head that says it's going to be okay. That was never there when I first started this. I have a program. Step two to me is essentially I know what happens when I work this program. I know what happens when I, when I don't work this program. I will be restored to sanity. So if I'm facing some issue, some problem, I know where to go in these 12 steps. I can reach out to others. I can talk to God. But I'll, But the last piece I'll say, in February, I got engaged. And coming from a person that was 525 pounds and isolated and thought he was ugly and thought he was a mistake on this world, and the fact that I can actually be there, show up, and be in that relationship and do my 100% and my 50% of that relationship, that's the joy that I was given in this program. So, thanks. Uh, Don? Uh, hi, I'm Don, compulsive overeater. Mark, thank you. That was a wonderful share. Could you talk about what you do on a daily basis to keep yourself in fit spiritual condition? Sure, sure. So, um, <clears throat> so I basically start the day. It's important for me to invite God in in the moment before I even get up. Before I even get out of bed, I'll roll over and I'll get on my knees. You know, the reason why? is because if I don't connect to God, there's a good chance I will spread poison into the world. Right? That I'll go back to those same, that's a harsh way of saying, I will go back to that same bit of lies. Because, you know, I get a daily reprieve on this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a pickle. I'm a very beautiful pickle. But I've still got that going on inside me. And so I, what I focus on grows. So the first thing I focus on is my connection with my higher power. You know, I then go into meditation because, you know, I got a monkey mind up in there, right? And with all that chatter, there's no room for God. So my meditation, my step, so first thing up is step 11, right? You know, I have throughout the week, and I can't say it's on every day, but but I'm always, well, I, I take that back. Every day I'm in contact with others, so I'm working with another another compulsive eater. I'm not an AA, by the way, but I'm working with another compulsive overeater, working with working alongside, doing the work alongside with them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sharing at meetings all the time. I do my, uh, so my food plan, I eat every three hours. I have a schedule that I eat on. I actually have a concept now where basically I had to kind of adjust my, this is, this meeting for me is at noon, right? And so basically for me, that's the time when I normally eat. So I've got options A, B, C, and D, my nutritionist I build of how to handle things with life on life's turn, but I have structure. I weigh and measure everything. Part of my humility is this, some of these devices that I bring into it that get, keep me on point, you know, and I navigate that. And then I get on with life. I do start life, I do, I will say this, I do start the day with good orderly direction. And what I mean by that is I actually sit down and I write eight things I'm going to accomplish and I make sure I divide them between home, work, spirituality, and fun. Because God wants me to have all of that in there at different times for different places, but that means that I start the day with God's intent for me, and then the day gets messy, and I bring myself back every part of that day, keeping going to that piece, and then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I do my step 10 work, right? You know, I look for selfishness and self-seeking. I look for fear and dishonesty in the middle of the day. You know, I've got a sort of a methodology that I do that, but I also, what I'm also bringing into that is like, like, what would God have me be, you know? And then the other concept is this concept around um, uh, 
basically making sure that I am that I am and what is that next right? Because most of the thing, most of the time when my character defects come up, most of the, my cluster of things that kind of stay there are around security. So. What action can I take to help me to feel more secure is a really important thing for me. So I add that in there because that's a particular piece for me. So that that's a snapshot, and that's not everything, but yeah, yeah. Hope I answered your question. Excellent, uh, Mike W. Mike, compulsive overeater, uh, and uh, Mark, thank you very much for your share. It's really, really very. I got a lot out. We had a lot of similar things. I've been in a long time, 39 years. And, uh, but, uh, my quickly, the questions, uh, I would like, uh, like to know what your experience is. You've talked a lot about spirituality in connection with a higher power. And, and how does, how does that, how does your experience today with relationships with others compared to what it was before you came in the program? And also, very quickly, the, the three types of fear you mentioned, if you could put that in chat or mention it again, I, I, I love it because I thought it was great breaking it down, the types of fear that we have, the three types. So thank you again, Mark. Sure, thanks, Mike. Um, uh, so, so my relationship with others, the best way that I can say that is when, when essentially I started this program, I started off on this program, you know, working these 12 steps and, and I was, when I started, I was in a different place physically. I was, I was basically in a different geological or geographical place, right? And then I moved back home, right? And when I moved back home, there were relationships that, you know, baffled me. There were relationships where there was, there was tension and there was strife and there were struggles and there, you know, there were all of the, the, um, the bedevilments in the middle of all of those, right? But here's the thing. When I came back and I engaged myself back in those relationships and it just gets bigger and bigger every day, what I realized, like for one thing, I had a relationship where we, where food would be brought to it, right? It's sort of a getting together with people and food. And I realized afterwards I came back, I was like, well, where's all the food? Well, it was because I was bringing it to it. But I also have relationships where I just had great tension with other people and it got taken away. And I'm like, well, what happened? They didn't change. I changed. Right? And that's the biggest thing I could say about my concepts is bless them, change me. I changed. And my life got better. So those three things, you know, um, not getting what I want. And, and this is just in general. So not getting what I want, being found out, uh, not getting what I want, um, losing what I have, being found out. Those three buckets tend to be the things. But here's what the deal is. They are based on, if I look at my four-step, the way I do a four-step inventory, the third column in there, and it talks a lot about the instinctual drives in the AA 12 and 12, the third column is how were these these instinctual drives threatened? Right? How were they threatened? Right? And, and in all reality, they're, they're, they are the things that God wants us to have met and protected every day. They are the fuel that drives us. But here's the deal. That's the third column. That line between column two and column three, I call it the reliance line. Where is my reliance? Is it in God or in self? Because if it's in self, they get threatened. If they get threatened, I go to my character defects to resolve them, and I end up getting the exact opposite of what I was looking for in the first first place. Like, for instance, jealousy. If I'm in the middle of jealousy, I end up pushing people away. And what I want with jealousy is to keep people to keep them close. 
So that's, in a nutshell, and that's a very tough, but that's what I would say, how my relationships change, is that I'm letting go of that concept of that, that need and that I'm okay. So thanks. All right. Okay, and we have uh, Beth. Thanks, Mark. That was just beautiful. Um, so congratulations on your engagement. So I want to know about recovery and your relationship and start, you know, being in a relationship. And, you know, I got married in recovery. And so I would love to get your experience, strength, and hope on that. Thanks. Thanks, Deb. Hi, I'm, I'm Mark, compulsive overeater and food addict. Can't sort of speak without saying that. That's that's interesting. Um, so, being in a relationship, the one thing I need to remember, the thing that makes the the fuel for a good relationship for me, is essentially I am a hundred percent responsible for my fifty percent of the relationship, and that's it. There are no guarantees in a relationship. Basically, I wake up and I say, I want to be with this person, and she does the same thing on her side, right? You know, but but I, I have a gift, I have to say. She, you know, I, she met her in a way. So I have a gift because we are two people that are willing. You know, my sponsor told me, you know, early on, because when I, listen, when I started to, like, like, have physical recovery in this program and even started to have emotional and spiritual recovery, the one thing I wanted, the one thing I'd always wanted was love and belonging. And this particular type of love was the thing I wanted. But the fact of the matter is, is he had to say, Mark, your job is to get ready for whomever God is going to bring to you. And that holds true before God brings me someone and when they bring them to me, right? So, you know, these 12 traditions can be applied to my relationships, and I can work them through. These 12 steps can be applied. But we show up. We show up. Where it, I, I can't guarantee what what is going to happen in these relationships. I'm always going to be in a good place, because I'm not. I mean, she's close. I'm, she sees me. She sees every bit of me. You know, she basically gets to know me. I'm more vulnerable in that place, you know, with her. So that means I'm that means I'm really going to come out. And I have the 10 steps to make sure that I stay aligned. I have these 12 steps to make sure that I'm operating on love and not fear. Love takes effort. It's not just saying I love you. It's what I'm doing, right? And that's really the concept for me that drives it. So, yeah, thanks. All right, and I see Victoria. <clears throat> Thank you, Victoria, Compulsivator. Thank you so much, Mark. Wow, 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 wow. So on the same topic of relationships, um, since the the book tells me, the 12 and 12 tells me uh, all my relationships are categorized by I'm overly dependent or I tend to dominate, and so I see you're living in your ideals of relationships, but... Can you talk about the, the the hallway between coming from unrecovered and then as you sorted out uh, relationships that were for you or weren't for you or the old you or could you kind of go into that a little? That's where I'm at. Yeah. I, I, so 
so number one, not a, not a relationship expert, right? So, so, but I have a higher power, and that's what we're talking about. That's my focus on this. So, so I'm going to be honest with you, and I made a lot of mistakes, right? Before my sponsor sort of highlighted that mark, look for someone that you know, uh, or, or uh, my job is to get ready for whomever God's going to bring for me. You know, I, my first relationship. I'll be honest with you guys, I got in a relationship. Because she liked me. I had amends to do for that one. And I stayed in it. It's like I was taking hostages. And I had amends to do in that one. And I had this program for that. But I didn't know any better. Until I knew, I didn't know. It's like, you know, if I go to a restaurant and I order some diet soda or something, somebody brings me not a diet soda and I drink the first sip and it's like, okay, there's, there's sugar there, right? You know, then basically it, with the second step, step is the part where I'm being compulsive, right? Not the first one because I didn't know. And so I'm doing the best I can. And, and then I was in another relationship after that. But, you know, I have to say all of this stuff built, you know, it's about action. So... Thank you, Pamela. It's about taking that next right action, and I do a lot of inventories on this work all the time in the middle of my relationship, and I stop and I do a four-step inventory, ten-step inventory in the middle so that I can clean it up. So thanks. Okay, so it is 9.50. Thank you all.